So I was uh, hanging out with our buddy uh, Steve Ambrosi, so oh, I yeah. went to high school with, and uh, he's a car salesman. And uh, we were, I was thinking about the fact that car salesmen are a lot like carnies. Yeah, and, I can see that. And he turned me on to these commercials. Yeah, they're probably 10 or 15 years old. They're from uh, okay. an auto dealership, uh, North Carolina, I think. But I thought they were pretty entertaining, so... I wanted to check out a few of them and, okay. uh, and see what you think. See if uh, Do you need see, to set them up at all? Eh, it's just this Weisenheimer badger who uh, exemplifies all of the absolute worst in a, in a salesman and kind of reminded me of uh, that sociopath who runs WWE. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, why don't we go ahead and play him and uh, see what we think. Here. All right, let's see the first one here. Well, selling the car is just like fishing, Wilbur. You bait the hook, you throw it out, and Wheeler. then you reel them in real slow. Real you ask them questions about their family, what they do. You act like you're interested. You act like you're interested. And once you get their trust, kabowie! <laughs> <laughs> you just sold a car! Woo! It's like, it's, it's like a little, like it's an animatronic badger in a suit. Yes, I, I like, it looks like it might be a, a puppet with a... With the CGI put over him, right? Because it's like it's a it's obviously it's some kind of puppet, but like it's not like a muppet, like it's not a cutesy badger, like it's it's like they uh, they took an actual you know badger, oh, right? Right? Yeah, brought a badger to life with this puppet. Yeah, <laughs> right. he's super seedy and he's got this this ridiculous suit coats like uh, like a salesman or no pants or Vince. He's Mc... totally Winnie the Pooh. Also like Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. what's this one? Let's see this. Yeah, this is a good one. Excuse me. Don't talk to me. I'm on my popcorn break. <laughs> my car's going to be ready. Do you see this suit I'm wearing? I don't fix cars. <laughs> I sell cars. Well, they've been here over three hours and it's... Do I look like I care? <laughs> uh... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, they're like, uh, I think either 12 or 20 of these things that you can find online. I'll, oh I'll definitely include the uh, the links to the ones that we included here in the show notes. What did they, how much did they have to shell out to make this Badger puppet? Like, it's a commercial. Yeah, right. So, like, it's it's a, on a commercial budget. They were like, like we're, how much, first of all, how much did they shell out to make this Badger puppet? And second of all, how many of these commercials did they have to come up with to afford to make this badger puppet. I have no idea. <laughs> Hopefully they sold a lot of cars. I would think so. These are hilarious. I would definitely be like, I want to go to the place with the stupid badger puppet I see on TV all the time. Right, 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 right. Okay, there's got one more. Now, this one was definitely made before the women's revolution. This okay. Is, this is uh, exemplifying like an absolutely misogynistic prick. And again, right. the whole concept of well, these commercials is yeah. that this car salesman is the absolute worst. Right. Which is hilarious because they're breaking kayfabe. They're selling cars By but saying. breaking kayfabe and blowing out like every asshole salesman and how they are right they're saying like look this is what you don't want to deal with we promise when you come to our place we don't have any badgers right right that work here <laughs> i help you ma'am yeah um i'm interested in this suv as soon as your husband gets here i'll be more than happy to show you all <laughs> such a douche uh actually it's for me well then no need looking under the hood uh, here's where the cup holders are, and there's a rear view mirror. That's where you can put on your makeup. And this is the steering wheel here. Man, listen to Mr. Dean just cackle at hey, this. Hey, honey, come on back here. <laughs> I can't. 
<laughs> the visual is amazing because it's it, once again it's a badger puppet, but it's not like a human sized badger. Like it's the size of actually it's a one one scale badger. Right. <laughs> that, that, so like whenever they do the camera shot of the badger talking to a person and they're standing up, they have to look down at it. Right. Like it's 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 like Rocket Raccoon in all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Like everybody's staring yeah. down at this animal that is talking to them. It's kind of, kind of an asshole like Rocket too. So. Yeah. Good times. All right. Play the music. Yeah. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm Shawnee Constance, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Bean. Keep motherfucker. Keep motherfucker. We are basking in the glory. In the glory. The opulent Russell Palace. Chandelier. Russell Palace. Oh, he's like prison style, dude. Boom <laughs> shakaloo. The scariest of all. Cloud. It's like you said uh, previously on the show. Mira! I'm fat! You got a fat ass! <laughs> like he's covered drinking! Mama Bird's got a big old neck! It's a work! It's a work! And this is the one for show! <laughs> <laughs> the first time we've played the audio yeah. live and uh, i don't know that mr bean knew that we i didn't know there added was the pyro i didn't I jason didn't australia had specifically uh, said that he was hoping that when we came back that we'd bring the pyro back okay well there you go i hope it was as uh pleasing auditorily as it is usually visually and uh unlike vince mcmahon <laughs> Do you see this suit I'm wearing? <laughs> uh, we actually care what our what our uh, audience oh, I thinks. Look like I care. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh, this makes me so happy. Yeah, it's fun. You know, we could probably just do a show of uh, you know thirty minutes of just, hit, just clicking pound, those buttons, just pound and drops. <laughs> I wonder how many of our listeners like because we're we're big fans of of the Drew and Mike show, which is where we both you know originally heard like oh you can just like take clips and put them mm-hmm. over audio and stuff like that, and that's really fun. But there are there is a segment of the population that gets really upset when you're just like just one clip after another oh wow imagine if we imagine if we lost uh if we lost listeners because they're like i can't stand you guys playing the stupid badger clips all day long (laughs) oh man well that's too bad i I mean we'll miss you right but we're not gonna care (laughs) (laughs) so we're uh i mean we're kind of in actually Let's start here. Mm-hmm. I need to uh, make a correction. I was wrong mm. about something uh, the last time that we sat down and talked. And the thing specifically that I feel like I was wrong about is I said that your week in wrestling now starts on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. Yep, I yep. would like to retract that statement. I believe that is inaccurate. I believe your wrestling weekend starts, or your, your week in wrestling starts on Friday now and ends in the main event which is Wednesday night's NXT versus uh, AEW. Mm, very, very interesting. I, th- I think it, it's, it, it, it starts out, you know, almost almost like a like a three act uh, story or something like that. It starts out kind of slow and and builds up and builds up until you get to that climax on Wednesday nights where you know you are gonna have a good time. Man, how about those ratings just plummeting? And <laughs> yeah, well, and it's it's one of those things. Conspiracy theorists would think. Uh, 
to some degree like well maybe vince is sandbagging to like pull everybody up to to you know the same level like if i pull my product down to your level now we're on a level playing field i can blow you away <laughs> so he's like hoping to create a face arc with the company when he can't do it whatsoever <laughs> well in his uh, storytelling with his product you bait the hook you throw it out and then you reel him in Slow. Real slow. <laughs> slow. And that absolutely is what it feels like because like that I'd say, you know, the first week of SmackDown is exciting. You get the rock back, you've got some some of the people in the crowd and stuff like that. You've got a bunch of very uh anticipated matches, even if the finishes don't give you what you want. Mm-hmm. But then that second week of SmackDown, even with it being the draft, was just kinda eh. I hated the way they ran the draft. I skipped Raw first off, uh, but I did pop in on No no, I watched Raw, skipped the SmackDown second week. I was part of that 25% okay. ratings drop. And boy, I'd heard how awful the, the draft um, okay. shenanigans were. It's so silly because half of the draft picks are like, that guy's already supposed to be on that show. Like, we had one of these, what, like post-WrestleMania? So it's roughly been six to eight months. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who has the goldfish brain that doesn't remember that Daniel Bryan is on SmackDown. Right. But when they draft Daniel Bryan to SmackDown, I'm like, yeah, I know. When the when the first or second pick is Roman Reigns to SmackDown, I'm like, uh huh, I know. And, and then they spend all this time trying to get uh, the draft to look like it's an actual sporting event by oh bringing these non WWE people in. Oh my God, the the war rooms for oh, USA. Oh yeah, the war rooms. And let me tell you about these war rooms. <laughs> uh, what are you looking for? It was a stupid idea yeah. from bad creative, and all that's gone. <laughs> but we had heard how bad it was for uh, SmackDown. And by Raw, they had not done any better, that's no! for sure. Maybe it felt a little more authentic uh, in terms of the, the names they were throwing in there. I don't even know. But the the, with the, the stupid robot. The, the, yeah, the Fox Sports football robot is walking out, which uh, I didn't. I discovered during Raw wasn't the CGI robot. It was a dude in a robot suit. Because yeah. at one point, he hugs a guy. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, I, they couldn't have CGI'd that. They, that would take too much time. That would be dumb. But man, yeah, just just bad from start. Uh, Stephanie McMahon did a, a good job in terms of presenting it. Like, I agree. Like she was very earnest. It felt, uh, but but the people who were coming in from ESPN, like you'd have the ESPN so booth, silly. and one person would be reading the script off the teleprompter as though it was an actual sporting event, and the person at the end of the aisle would be smiling, like you don't know what the hell you're talking about. This is so <laughs> ridiculous. Why are we doing this? And right. Of course, I, I have to feel like almost 100 percent of the fans were thinking. This is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? Right. Well, and then on Monday, they had like the uh, Fox News, like the financial guy that's got all the, the oh, yeah, big yeah, red yeah. buttons. Jim Cramer. Tra- yeah, fucking Jim Cramer <laughs> trying to tell me who Ron SmackDown should be drafting. Like, come come the fuck on. I did like when he appeared in uh, Iron Man. That was, I was actually watching it with uh, Amy, and she was next to me, and she was like, remember the scene in Iron Man he was in? That was great. So right, it's yeah. funny that that's, that's where your brain immediately yeah. went as well. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, weird ass draft. Uh, the the matches themselves. I will say it was. Well, before we go past the draft, how about this whole ordeal that they had with uh, Alexa Bliss and, and Nikki, Nikki Cross. Cross, and how they traded one to the other. like? You could have drafted them as a team, right? Instead, but instead they took two draft picks to move it on SmackDown, and then they were traded for picks for picks to determine or, later. Oh, wait, no, there were two picks on SmackDown. Which turned into one pick on Raw, I think, for them as a team. Which turned into a trade to put them back on SmackDown. Yeah, it's just, just what the, what the fuck? Utter nonsense. What the f- <laughs> utter, utter nonsense? And it shows how disorganized this organization is. Stupid idea from bad trade. Very. And all that's gone. 
Thank you very much, Chris, for giving us that last week on AEW's uh, TV show. And that was that was fascinating to watch too because you were very obviously watching somebody who comes from an era where you did your own promos, just walking out there and like here you got this amount of time. These are the bullet points you have to hit. Go and for sure, someone in the war room should have been fired for the drafting of Umberto Correa, who almost yeah. nobody knows. He's, yeah, he's he definitely appeared on NXT. I'm sure he's very talented. I'm also sure that he fits a demographic they wanted to fill. <laughs> well, which, yeah. Which let me tell you something in uh actual sports, nobody drafts anyone based on demographic. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not to say that Korea is not going to be an excellent performer. I right. just have a feeling that of all the people that you could have brought up, that he's the one. <laughs> you know. I mean, okay, so there were some good stuff, uh, some good draft picks. It's I like that they're moving Bray over to SmackDown uh, to get him away from Seth Rollins, even though now he has like what two matches against Seth Rollins before right the officially wild card rule can... canceled. Yeah. Ooh, wild card rule not canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but we we've you know uh, so and I was excited because oh you're gonna put him on SmackDown. That's where Luke Harper and. Eric Rowan are, and then you're going to draft Braun to SmackDown, and then Nikki Cross is going to SmackDown, and I'm like, this could be great. Like, you could give me a creepy, you could give me the return of a Wyatt family. You could. And uh, and then they moved Eric Rowan to Raw. Yeah, and And we didn't hear anything about... um... Harper, right? It's, no. Uh, he'd, he'd piped up on social media concerning his inability to uh, swear. Right. And created all kinds of waves, and it seems like he's in the doghouse again. And Well, he saw how, how well it worked for Chuck Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> so going, going on Twitter That's and asking. a fun bit uh, with Chucky e. T. <laughs> yeah, no, that was really fun, asking if he could say the S word. And then, uh, what is it, Tony Schiavone or Jim Ross said the S word yeah. on, the, on the, like, the very next AEW in the second week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But um, it's a, I don't know, it's it's still, it feels like a building period, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, we're sitting here on a Thursday, uh, last night was the third episode of AEW, and I have to say, that is the first episode of AEW that felt like, okay, this is, this is serious, this is some good, there's some good fucking shit going on in the, in the show, there were some good matches, there were some neat spots, there's some cool story shit going on, and okay, I'm interested Excellent. Going yeah, forward. I'm, I'm loving it. And I, I'm having a hard time even watching NXT right now. Right. Uh, the matches are great, it, but it I feel like I'm watching it as someone who's doing a podcast and has to talk about it. Okay. Where when I'm watching AEW, and part of this is newness, but I think part of it is the freshness of it, is uh, like I get goosebumps yeah. several times throughout the episode. That's, That's what cool. I want. I want the thrill of being a fan. Yeah. And um, you definitely see where they're not polished in terms of understanding where the cameras are. Sure. Things of that nature. Um, ex- you know, Almost stepping on each other, doing crisscrosses and things. Right. Um, there was a, a lot of sloppiness, I felt, in the women's championship match. But yet, I still feel like they're great matches. Yeah. Despite these, what would be considered gaffes. And I think that's because when you watch real sports, no matter how good someone is, no matter how much they're paid, hey, somebody tries to scoop up a ball in the outfield and it goes under their glove. It's not impossible that you see those things. So, uh, you know, a lot of times in, in boxing there are, or, or MMA, there are moments where there's a, there's a slip or there's a right. whiff. And in WWE, they're so practiced no one ever misses unless it's, <laughs> sure. it's part of the uh, uh, part of part of um, an, uh, a spot. So, and I think part of it too is that it's it like you said it's the newness of the product. It's a it's a new bunch of guys giving us a kind of 
you know, a th- an entertainment medium that we already have established that we like. We just aren't real crazy about the version that we've been getting from the person we've been getting it from for decades mm-hmm. now. So we're hopeful that like, well, maybe this will be different. Maybe these people will listen to their fans more than, you know, somebody else might. And one of the weird things is... Um, Do you see this suit I'm wearing? <laughs> right, that guy. When um, one of the things that I thought was a strength of NXT is is how energy-packed the Full Sail Arena is. Right. And I was reading um, the dirt sheet kind of stuff, and it sounds like they're trying to get out of that arena as quickly as possible, maybe as soon as January, because they feel like it's holding them back. And they're looking to like do the same thing everybody else does. Yeah, do, go like, on to a shows smaller stadiums. show tours. Yeah, the, I feel like that would be a mistake, man. Yeah. You know, it seems like it. Uh, they were talking about, though, doing like 3,000 to 5,000 seaters, which yeah. is, you know, smaller, um, uh, not major league stadium kind of thing. Right. Uh, but the problem, yeah, you lose you lose that continuity with that fan base. Yeah. And I think in terms of trying to get people to watch the product, that would help. But I don't know. The ratings are dropping for everybody. It's going to see. It's going to be interesting to see where it all levels off. Right. Right. We saw um, AEW Dark had a match with Kenny Omega and... Um, oh, was it Joey Janela? Joey Janela, thank right. you, sir. Uh, and, you know, just a barn burner on the dark match. So they're, right. they're definitely keeping in mind the fact that you have the potential of a falling knife scenario where if you're not careful, you're going to have to risk cutting yourself, catching that thing if you let it slip too far. Yeah. Right. And um, so in terms of the ratings, watching where things start to level off and who it starts to level off with first will be very interesting. But man, it's it's week two and three. WWE seems as though they're content to just, just watch things go, go right. Like, man, this is, this is literally, this is the second week that I did not bother to watch raw. I didn't, bothered to even look at raw until i came over here like an hour before i came over here and i i honestly i fast forward through the matches Mm -hmm. because they were not the important part of the show the important part was what were the draft picks and show me the end event that made that turned me off from even bothering to watch the show on monday night which is seth rollins being the second man to commit arson against bray wyatt (laughs) on national fucking tv poor bray wyatt just just (laughs) i mean i guess it's kind of amusing because you know burn it down is the thing but i think the idea of exposing the fact that this beast is actually just on a set backstage right incredibly reckless right like and okay it's it's gonna sound kind of stupid but on or on friday it's on smackdown he was seth was having a match against roman reigns and Bray Wyatt came, the fiend came through the bottom of the ring and right. pulled him down. And then there was the smoke and then Seth popped back out from underneath the ring. So they're playing up the drag me to hell angle. Right. No time that I'm aware of during Kane's reign. And, you know, my history, of course, is, is, is well documented on this show. I've only been a fan for four or five years in terms of a every week kind of fan. Sure. Did they ever show you, hey, this is what hell actually is. And then put no. the camera under the ring and expose the. No, like, not at all. Of course, we all know what it is. However. <laughs> why do you blow your storyline and your great bit like that was the one thing that had me coming back right and uh, is that the the idea that the firefly funhouse was all in his mind yeah that it was like this was his safe zone it's extra dimensional in some capacity not to mention you are not making you're not doing seth rollins any favors by having him beat up the nice version of bray wyatt right well they they just uh, they're not doing seth rollins any favors anywhere 
And you look at the the if you look at all the times that the ratings have slid, Seth Rollins has been a face on top of the card. Yeah, it's not good. Not a good look for uh, Seth Rollins, who I've recently said is a great worker, but has uh, less personality than a Russian bot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's his Twitter game is not strong either. No, he's he thinks it is, oh, but it really is no. not. <laughs> You're going to hear that a lot. <laughs> also, the thing I made sure to uh, fast forward past uh, during Raw. Fuck you, Bobby. I hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I saw Lana getting a massage. Like, nope, don't want to see this. Don't need to watch this. No, thanks. <laughs> I don't find the angle to be nearly as repulsive as most people do. I, uh, I make no bones about the fact that I like sleazy shit. But it's not a great angle, and it's not going to do any of the three, you know, Lana, Bobby, or uh, Rusev, or Rusev like, any favors. And, man, you just see how on fire Rusev was with the crowd yet again. Yeah. And it, it seems like they're going to be content to let him slide. And, uh, boy, the day he shows up at AEW and uh, sure. have a crowd chanting Rusev Day is going to be so much fun because you know he's going to get treated respectfully in terms of letting him do something that's not absolute garbage. Right. Let's talk about this this particular thing from the dirt sheets because this has been blowing up for the last couple of days. So Eric Bischoff is out. Yeah, that was quick. On SmackDown. <laughs> How long do you think it is before he shows up over in AEW? I don't know that he do does. Do you think they do you think he he's a name because it felt like when they hired when they made him and Paul the Raw and SmackDown guys, it definitely felt like to a degree it's like, well he does this podcast with Conrad, Conrad's real tight with the AEW guys. Let's let's lock down Eric Bischoff before he can start making some noise hmm. over there. Could be, could be. I mean, if if any of the backstage uh, rumors are to be believed, it sounds like a total debacle. So why would you even bother? Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's uh, like the, the, the some of the dirt sheets are saying that uh, he didn't even know the talent. Yeah, he didn't he know did, people's names. He would show up late. You he know, would, he just, would show up for the meetings and then disappear, and mm-hmm. people wouldn't be able to get a hold of him. So. I mean, it definitely felt even even in that very first week where you know Paul Heyman knew that it's like I got to make some big waves if I want to do that, and that's when uh, was it Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley fell through the set. Yeah. There was all that explosion stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and then SmackDown was just like, well, what if somebody tries to hit Roman with a whole bunch of stuff backstage? Right. Yeah. No, that was uh, that was. I think you and I both agree and have thought all along though that Bruce Pritchard is a better creative. It seems that way. It's it, I, I would if if I had uh, if I had it my way, I would bring Road Dog back because mm. when he was running SmackDown, that was when you had the Fashion Police stuff going on and ah, there was yes. some other stuff. And it's really funny how that works. Like if you'd ask me while it was going on, you know, what do you think of SmackDown? I was like, ah, it's okay, but a couple years ago was better. And that seems to be the way it's always worked. Mm-hmm. Like if you look back even twelve months, you're like, man, that's way cooler than what's going on right now. Do you think the um uh, the the anger that we've seen on Twitter uh, from Sweet Baby Kevin is just kayfabe, or do you think that he's also upset? I think he's he might legitimately be upset, and he absolutely has a reason to be. It's uh, the same thing I just read last night. Uh, once again, a, kind of a dirt sheet story that the reason the Usos and Naomi weren't part of the draft is oh, because yeah. creative has nothing for them. How do you not have anything for the fucking Usos? Oh, yeah, the perhaps best uh, tag team 
in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're certainly in the discussion. Right. And boy, could you imagine if they got lost to AEW? I mean, the, the, oh, them Jesus, and, the, yeah. and the Bucks would have just the, the most amazing matches. Yeah, I, I seem to recall in a previous episode, maybe like a year ago here, talking about how like I would love to see the Bucks versus the Usos. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Yeah, they've been clearly... Even as even as the Bucks were just in Ring of Honor and um, you know a little more high profile over at New Japan, you could tell that they were sort of sending signals back and forth, or at least that the that the um, the Usos were were pulling some super kick parties and things to say, hey, like, hey, you you guys aren't the only ones here, right? For sure. And um, yeah, so that's really strange. Uh, now we we have seen a ton of them over the last few years. But to just say, hey, we've got nothing for you, like well, well, that's just total right. madness. I was, I think it was a year ago that Helena Cell was here in Detroit, mm-hmm. and them and the New Day opened that show, and just like they, with you know, Seth Rollins can say he burns it down all the time, but they fucking burned it down, man. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing match. Absolutely. You bait the hook, you throw it out, and then you reel them in real slow. Mm. <laughs> 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 fucking Badger sounds like uh, dude was. Oh, uh, Sling Blade. Sling Blade. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. A little sling Blade in there. Uh, I did get a chance this week, too, to check out um, Impact Wrestling okay. over on AXS. Uh, they haven't gone live yet. They started AXS the week before, like the same week as AEW. Right. But they've just been playing highlights mm-hmm. of stuff that's been going on. I guess their first live show will be after this weekend because uh, Bound for Glory is this weekend. Okay. They have big pay-per-views. Stands to reason. They played a bunch of highlights from Slammiversary back in the summer, so... So I got to see uh, Eddie Edwards and Killer Cross in a first blood match, okay, which was fantastic. And then they had a fatal four way match for their women's championship, which had my girl Rosemary along with Sue Young, which is essentially uh, the girl from the ring. Mm-hmm. It's like Asian Rosemary. Oh, Sue Young's fantastic. She's I got good to stuff. see her uh, when. Um Evolve came with uh, okay. is it Shimmer? I always think is it Shimmer or Glimmer? I yeah, I think it's I'm Shimmer. So terrible with these damn names. But there was the two of them. There was there was the girl Havoc, who's kind of a larger girl, but mm-hmm. also uh, kind of on that spooky, scary uh, you know theme okay. stuff. And then the the champion is Ty Valkyrie. Uh, and it was a hardcore match, which they called the Monsters Ball over an impact. There was a, there was a particular thing. Ty Valkyrie came to the ring with a staple gun. Nice. And there was a spot where she stapled one of her 8x10s to Sue Young's forehead. Yikes. Before she gave her like a shining wizard. <laughs> so she couldn't see it coming. But right. that was a real cool spot. There was a cool ladder spot in that match. And then, and then Rosemary got some thumbtacks out and took like a Seth Rollins stomp to the face oh. into the thumbtacks. That Yikes. Was, it, was, it was a good match. But I have to say, uh, if... There is a MVP for uh, Impact Wrestling. It's TV 14. Okay. It's getting to see these matches I would not see on a WWE product. They're a little bit more hardcore, a little bit more sloppy, but you know, might see some blood or something like that. So, so. is that you you're going to be looking to check out the first week or two to see yeah, if it's if... to see see, you know, what the week to week show is going to be like or if just, you know, seeing the pay-per-view, you know, style uh quality matches is really what it's all about and like they're going to be like nwa it's going to be a studio show i believe so yeah i think much like nxt or or, or the nwa show like they've got a dedicated this is where we film our thing down okay. in, uh, down in florida I, I i'm going to this week watch nwa i still have not and okay. i'll make sure to uh to get um impact on right. the old dvr as well because i have five hours free now until they figure out until <laughs> right. until uh, one of my facebook groups 
you know, says, Informs oh my God. Informs you that you... SmackDown or Raw was worth a goddamn. Yeah, yeah. It was so disappointing, man. Like, I love the new uh, graphics and the new stage setup and everything. I thought, yeah. okay, here we go. This is the second time they've reeled me in. Right. And uh, only to leave me uh, wildly disappointed. To the you point. see this suit I'm wearing? <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to me. I'm on my popcorn break. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but man, yes, so, so, so disappointing. Yeah. And uh, and I have not gotten any indications that between now and the the event in Saudi Arabia that I'm going to be interested. That's another thing. Yeah. It, It does sort of bolster my annoyance with WWE that they're, they're hyping the uh, crown jewel event more on the regular shit. Like they're, they're treating it more like a regular pay-per-view than they have with the last couple of trips to Saudi. And the idea that, I'm over the fact that they are going to a uh, a murderous regime to right. make a shit ton of money for themselves, like a bunch of scumbags, is, has has not been lost on my conscience. So it's easy. Do I look like I care? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> he chimes in, man. <laughs> I agree, though. I I'm not interested in in Crown Jewel. I do, I don't care how and awesome. Halloween. Like, hey, yeah. Here's a, here's a really gross thing that you don't want anything to do with, and we're putting it on one of the most fun nights of the year. Right. I'm like, oh, good. Good, thanks. thanks. Yeah, it's it's. I've tuned out, man. Yeah. I've tuned out. But at the same time, by tuning out, it opens me up to all the other stuff. I'll go back to this week's AEW. Uh, two hours of fantastic stuff. Like right, right at the beginning, you had the uh, the tag team stuff that was going on. And yeah, it, the Lucha Bros came out and just laid waste to the leader of SCU, yeah. Christopher Daniels. How about? Kabowie! Ooh, man. Yeah, <laughs> he dropped him right on that metal ramp. Do I look like a cat? <laughs> That's the wrong button. There it is. <laughs> it's a work in progress, folks. <laughs> uh, and then they played it off later. That you, you, you saw that hit, and he's got a stinger, and yada da. And it right. felt like they were sort of kayfabe, not you know, shoot. Yeah, like us. maybe like, there was a reason Christopher Daniels couldn't wrestle that match in the first place. Mm-hmm. But we need to give you something, you know, for the live crowd to be like, oh, obviously he's not going to wrestle a match. He just took a. Big old dent in the friggin' ramp. But one of the things I, I do love about AEW is the fact that they have uh, pile drivers. And yeah. for the love of God, don't injure people with your first pile driver. That was not a good looking bum. Or, <laughs> yeah, well. Bum. <laughs> Hell, maybe it was not a problem. You know, maybe. Well, and they were supposed to have Luchasaurus was supposed to wrestle with uh, Jungle Boy. Yeah, and not that closed thigh injury that had nothing to do, apparently, with in ring action. Right. You know, you just got to. Bad Charlie horse, but you still got to see Jungle Boy wrestle against the the, the Lucha Brothers, and it, who was the child that was with him? Because Jungle Boy's already a small person, and um, then there's an even smaller version of Jungle Boy Marco with him. Stunt. Yeah, um, I like the fact that uh, they had at least been including Marco in terms of the uh, in terms of the what, what is the the tag team name there. I don't know the, oh. the, the the prehistoric tag team. Yes, I got nothing. I'm yeah, I'm not thinking of it either. <laughs> we'll definitely have to have a drop for that. Oof, right, jeez, I'll be an earworm. But, yeah, because uh, I don't have a good drop for that. <laughs> Sorry to derail you there. That's all right, but yeah, no, that's Marco stunt, and I thought that he acquitted himself really well. I thought it was a well, fun it, match and booked right. Like, yes, there's no way that they should have just won straight up hand-to-hand combat with the Lucha Brothers. You see Marco Stunt, you know, uh, right at the top of the match going up against, uh, what is it? Um, 
Which one of the Lucha Brothers? Zero Miro. Yeah. Um, um, Pentagon. Pentagon, oh, yes. Yeah. Against Pentagon. And you know how this match is going to end. Pentagon mm-hmm. is so much larger than him. Like, he is going to kill that tiny man. Yes. Uh, and that's how the match, you know, five, ten minutes later, that's how it ends. But the in-between is worth seeing. Yeah, and it felt like, hey, you had these guys who were com- severely overmatched, who were legitimately fighting their ass off, to the point that, you know, they were able to cut to the crowd late in that match, and there were moments during kickouts where people were genuinely like, oh, yeah. oh my God. And that's one of the things that's really fun about AEW as well, is the fact that uh, in a lot of matches, you hear dueling chants. Yes. And yeah. That, that even is a even blast. if it's even if it's the heels, they people will chant for the heels. And once again, it's the kind of thing that we've gotten to see in NXT mm-hmm. for a while too, because of that homegrown crowd. They will. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Owens is supposed to be the bad guy, but man, we really like him. He puts on a great show, so right. we are going to fight Owens fight, mm-hmm. even when he, you know, the the Blackheart is supposed to be this total bastard, but man, oh man, we're happy to have him back. Right. So we're going to chant for him. We love saying Adam Cole, baby. Mm-hmm. So it's... And yeah, and I wonder, the Blackheart's a perfect example. Do you lose that if you take that show on the road? Yeah. Um, now, I mean, of course, the people who are going to see the live show, generally speaking, are going to know the guys and they're going to pop for them. Right. But not like the people who have been there week after week after week yeah. are going to pop for them. And I think you lose that advantage if you if you leave full sale. If there is one complaint I have about the style, the wrestling style in AEW, and this goes back to the Young Bucks, so mm-hmm. it's essentially, it has a lot to do with the... Uh, tag team style itself but you see every match you will see at least two or three spots where that man should be dead (laughs) right and then they'll kick out at two Mm -hmm. so we can get two or three more of these spots before you actually get to the finish and i feel like leave leave something in the tank man right well it's it's sort of like the idea of putting uh janella and uh kenny in uh, the dark show like, sure like that's a pay-per-view quality matchup that you can really build up to now i don't think i think the fans are passionate enough and i am definitely included in this group that i'm not going to feel like if a year from now kenny omega is facing joey janela in a pay-per-view i'm not going to roll my eyes and say oh, i already saw this right sure you know it's not as though i haven't been weaned on wwe who just runs the rivalry way into the ground yeah, exactly oh you, into a pay-per-view. you really like seth rollins and the fiend where we're going to give it to you at least seven more times yes. before we decide to separate them into new feuds mm-hmm so there's uh there's that uh i've heard that criticism but i think your criticism concerning uh, the people, this isn't your criticism, but I think it falls in line with the people who have the too much spot monkey bullshit, yeah. flippy stuff. For one, I can see where they're not going to dig the show. Too many high spots and and it you do run the risk of burning out. Now, yes. I'm three weeks in and I still am just like, I'm just, I love the show. I'm smiling ear to ear, match to match. That's cool. Um, and I don't think that we've seen consistently great matches all three weeks all right. across each episode, but it just the the episodes themselves, the way it all sh- shakes out is after the, those two hours, I feel like this has been great. I also love the idea that AEW Dark is one hour and the main show is two hours. Right, three hours spread over two nights is perfect. Yes, it turns out five hours over two <laughs> nights is way too damn much, especially when they spend so much time. You know, kissing their own ass. Like, Do I, look like a <laughs> I don't give a fuck about uh, about uh, how your Twitter feed trended. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how many Russian bots or or Seth Rollins you have stacking <laughs> that deck? By the way, 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't for a second believe that it's all accurate that, you know, come on, I know carny bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> but I was, uh, I was, uh, definitely blown away this week, especially in the second hour, because during the first hour, they're like, Hey, by the way, tonight you're going to get to see John Moxley and Pac mm-hmm. against, um, Kenny Omega. And who's the fourth? It, it's... Oh, the hangman, Adam Page. Yeah, the hangman, Adam Page. Well, okay. Stop trying to make the hangman, Adam Page work. He's not, it's not, this is not going to work. At least not for me. What? No. I'm not, uh, out of all four of those guys, he's the one I'm least interested in seeing. However, seeing three of your main, it's, it's harkens back to like Attitude Era, Smackdown or something like that. It was like, hey, guess what? Tonight, The Undertaker and Steve Austin are going to team up with The Rock and against The Rock and Kurt Angle kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow. I like, I can't wait to see that. All four of those guys are a big deal. Kind of thing, and that's what I felt, and that's how their you know second hour started. You know, that's very interesting because my thought they they have been saying the elite and the people around the elite in interviews have been saying now for well over a year that Hangman Page is the next great champion. They, yeah, they keep saying that. And it, it, it's it's not working for me. I, you know, He's I, the Baron Corbin of AEW to me, man. <laughs> it is not working. I You know, I don't hate what you're saying because that has was the same for me. When I were, was hearing them say he's the next big thing, I kept thinking, I don't, I don't really see it. I will say, though, seeing these last few weeks where he's been appearing and, and even going back to the, the last pay-per-view or two, I'm getting it now yeah. because he's a really big dude who does some really acrobatic shit. And I also love the uh, the sort of uh, spaghetti western entrance music he has. Yeah, I can now, see that. For me personally, I, I I do feel like he's not he wouldn't be my first draft pick. Uh, you know, I would I, I, I would um, not be vouching for him in the war room. He, he but is, I would not be nearly as like you. He's not the Baron. Cor- first off, Baron Corbin is one of the best things going on in WWE. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you love King Corbin. <laughs> I love King but Corbin. But do you love Shorty Gable? I, Shorty Gable's damn good, too. The fact that they what did, turned him to the Shorty. Fuck? What an asshole. We were all so focused at Hell in a Cell on the travesty, which was the main event of mm-hmm. that match. We all completely glossed over uh, Chad Gable beating Baron Corbin and doing a backstage interview. He was like, you can call me Shorty. You can call me whatever you want. But Vince McMahon saw it, mm-hmm. and he's like... I'm in. Yeah. That's the thing now. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it'll all ultimately work out. Maybe what they're doing is they uh, Vince McMahon realizes that his sense of humor is the exact same as five-year-olds. He's not <laughs> interested in the short game. He doesn't right. care what the ratings are now. He wants to make sure that when those kids are 10, that they will be WWE fans. Yeah, and maybe. So, because maybe. who else is laughing? Who's laughing at Shorty Gable? No, not me. I, uh, it's a, no, it's a, it's every, everybody I know that has seen it for the first time is like, what? We're this is what we're doing, really? Mm-hmm. That's dumb. Yeah, the idea that they're trying to appeal to teenage audiences with like absolutely base, childish. Like, yes. It's, the idea. Of, I I don't think Vince McMahon understands that teenagers in 2019 grew up like. They didn't grow up watching Looney Tunes. They grew up watching hardcore pornography. <laughs> so the sense of what a teenager is this is, is very, very different now. This than is it was. news to me as well. Oh, you're not familiar <laughs> I, with the internet? I, I know about the internet. I just had no idea that kids today grew up watching hardcore pornography. I'm, you know what else they were watching? I like turtles. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Oh, no. And I was excited to see that guy at AEW. What? What are you talking about? That's the main event, Chris Jericho and Darby Allen. Darby every, Allen. Every time I see Darby Allen, I was like, oh, it's like that. <laughs> that kid. Oh, cool. That kid grew up, and now he's d- d- rides a skateboard, and uh, he friggin' apparently can wrestle with his hands tied behind his back. If you would have told me when I saw Darby Allen uh, wrestle for Evolve two or three years ago that, that in his ridiculous Daisy Dukes, that in two or three years, I was going to see him ride down a skateboard ramp and hit Chris Jericho, and it was going to be like a moment that I genuinely popped for. I right. said, you were fucking crazy. But when he rode down on that skateboard last week <laughs> and hit Chris Jericho, I was like, fucking hell. And watching his in-ring work, when they talk about, you know, they, they, they I, I like Jim Ross has been doing a good job in terms of um, addressing the small guys by talking about how much athleticism they have how but also how much got. heart and courage you know yeah but uh, they were talking about darby allen in terms of having a full oh um <laughs> 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 having uh an almost unnatural sense of athleticism and it's true his ability to bounce in and out of the ring for example yeah the way he does work off the ropes you'd see perhaps in aew and we're seeing it in wwe as well across all of uh, professional wrestling and Stupid sports entertainment. We are seeing too many uh, topes. Yeah, you know um, there are a lot of topes. But I tell you he what, does though, have a genuine. There's something about Darby Allen. You want me? To, you want me to care about? <laughs> you want me to care about a tope? You tape your hands behind your back and start yeah. climbing the ropes and fucking jumping between them and yeah. doing suicidas like. Holy shit. And that is building a face the right way. And right? it's another match where, like, once his hands were tied behind his back, I know how this match ends now. Like, mm-hmm. he loses. Mm-hmm. I knew he would, you know, he's probably not beating Chris Jericho anyways. But he loses. But then for the next five minutes, you draw me in with him still fighting and still right. getting pinfalls and still doing all his shit. And going forward, you always think... Maybe if he hadn't had his hands tied behind his back, he could have beaten the champion. Right. And so you don't lose the luster of that match or that face character. Not to mention the subtle, subtle way that that match ends without him physically capable of tapping out, but the ref stopping the match, which is something we've all been angry about for like two weeks. <laughs> his ref stoppage. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my thought was... Uh, does it look I like, like I care? <laughs> because I didn't. Do I look like I care? That one right there. I'm, I'm, I'm no. into Darby Allen, and you know I've been saying for a long, long time that uh, two problems with WWE: one, their main event; they have a real problem with their main events. We continue to see that. Yep. I don't see that changing at all. That would have changed if the Fiend would have taken the title, because then everything going forward was a mystery, especially yeah. after. You anger the crowd with like five curb stomps, right? At that point, you're like, "Oh my god, this guy's like Godzilla. This is yeah, a, this is a story we've never seen before." They couldn't give us that, right? But uh, uh, I still say I can't wait for the next person to like just die to the first curb stomp. Like you're the biggest <laughs> chump on the planet right, now. Right. But the but but Darby Allen, he's a face that I'm into, and it's very very rare that I'm into the faces storyline. It's the kind of thing like we saw him at the, the I think it was what at All Out face Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. and and I think he came up losing on that particular match. I don't have my notes in front of me. Yeah, I I, I don't remember. But now we've seen him go against Chris Jericho and and come up losing, and like yeah, the story is like this kind of skinny kid uh, will do absolutely anything in the ring mm-hmm. in order to try and and pull out a victory. And I'm curious, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Where did, where does this particular story go? And that's that's really the story of AEW three weeks in still, is that it's a lot of, okay, where do we go now? 
And, it's, and it feels like, a, and not in a, in a bad way, like, well, where do you go from here? It's like, we could go anywhere. Where do we go? And I think that it's going to remain exciting for uh, at least the, the next 12 months because you have so many top-notch performers who you still have to introduce. Yeah. And they don't have the WWE formula where it's like, we're going to give you these 15 guys. Well, yeah, look at Orange, here look at Orange Cassidy. We've seen him once in three weeks, and yeah. it wasn't in the ring. Right. He's, he's essentially being booked like uh, Bray Wyatt has been booked, where it's like, we're going to kind of feed you this character slowly. We're going to drip feed you this this uh, Orange Cassidy character. And eventually you will see him in the ring. And when you do, it's going to be hilariously fun. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to give him to you every week in the ring. Right. Because then the gimmick might get old. Yeah. And so you can pull Darby Allen back. You have all kinds of new people to introduce. And when you bring Darby Allen back the next time, again, you have that concept of like, damn, maybe he would have been the champ if he hadn't had his hands tied behind his back. Right. Very exciting. You also have, I like the, I, I like a guy with a weapon. That's a lot of fun. And the sure. You haven't, I, I don't remember seeing a skateboard gimmick. No, it. because I don't know how you can gimmick a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's skateboard is just, it's a, you know, it's not like it's plywood. It's kind of a thick board mm-hmm. that's got like metal and wheels on <laughs> it and stuff like that. And like, if you hit somebody with a skateboard, you just hit them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you think? I like how I really liked how they played Pac versus Mox, or or putting them on sure. a tag team, putting on a tag team, but but having not... Pac just go into the ring and just staring Mox down as he comes to the ring, sure, and then ultimately swinging around and having them. It just excites me because I feel like that's your main event picture, and just to get to see you know three of your big main event talents in there all at the same time. Yeah, is is uh, that's that's fun, and and not. Now, next week, we already know <clears throat> having a weekly, a two-hour weekly show that's first going to be just stacked with great action. But then having, hey, we're going to see Mox and Pac go one-on-one. That, yeah. That, that's that's a pay-per-view quality match. Yeah, tell, letting, letting us know that you've got something to look forward to next week yeah. that you know you want to see. And I don't feel like the, the, the people who are... Uh, criticizing suggesting that we're going to be burnt out by the time the pay-per-views come around i don't i don't see that happening at all well there are so many combinations that they can still work and that's the thing that's going to be interesting too is that we look at if you look at like the main event picture in AEW, you think of Pac, uh john moxley cody rhodes chris jericho um kenny, even omega. kenny omega or something like that like you've got let's say like eight guys mm-hmm. okay that are all you that are all in that main event picture eventually some of those guys are going to have to kind of move down the board a little bit mm-hmm. and do you know like i would say kenny omega still a main event guy but has been doing middle card work right since AEW started and, I think we're and that's what's going to be interesting is to watch people move up and down the rate the rankings and see you know can is John Moxley going to be just as exciting and just as excited to be there when he's in the middle of the card? Or is he going to be kind of one of those Steve Austin guys who's like, look, if I'm not making gold records, then what am I doing here? Right. One of the great questions I think of AEW, uh, aside from the ratings going forward, is at what point does the elite start to be the elite in terms of storytelling? Right. I love the fact that they're getting essentially their uh, the lunch handed to them. Right. Um, and, and none of them are really rising to the top. There was a big promo because the, the pay-per-view is going to be Chris Jericho against Cody. Right. I don't believe for a second that they're going to give Cody the title sure. this soon, right? Yeah, like we're still, I, I, I feel like we're still establishing Chris Jericho as the champ um, of AEW, so he has to lock in some solid victories to be like, he is le champion, mm-hmm. and he's not going anywhere. No, and it <laughs> turns out that those inner circle shirts are selling like hotcakes if you're to believe... Uh, Pro wrestling tees who who manufactures right. them. I do like that the inner circle came out at the end of the match with a little bit of the bubbly. 
Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. like if that that's going to be a thing. Yes. Then I'm I'm there for it for sure. And especially because it's not hammered in, right? Like, no. Did, did you really need Seth Rollins staring into the camera and saying, "I burnt it <laughs> down"? Did you did, did do you get it? Do you, <laughs> do, you, do you see what happened here? I'll tell you what, the one thing I did like about that particular segment is you can go back and watch it a couple of times and you can hear the voices of every single Firefly Funhouse character, like almost begging Seth Rollins not to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, don't please don't beat up Bray. Don't you you can hear Ramblin' Rabbit, you can hear the buzzard, uh, you can hear um Sister Abigail all in the background, you know, all speaking mm-hmm. which it's you know it's it's the fun part about the firefly fun house is you know trying to hear the little secret things and what's going on uh and now i don't know that we have that anymore no and in a vacuum um it's you know it's not impossible that they will come back with a, a new environment for the fiend next week right and it's interesting again but the problem is is i'm getting three hours of wrestling that i love I'm not going to spend my time waiting into five hours of wrestling that I'm looking for the diamonds in the rough. Well, well stated right there, sir. Yeah. Which, yeah. But, um, and and, you know, that's, that's a thing too. It's, it's, we're, we're almost like Fortnite fans that, you know, at on Sunday night, uh, the game Fortnite kind Mm -hmm. of like blew itself up (laughs) so that like two days later they could give you a, a new version of the game kind of thing. Tomorrow night on SmackDown, like the Firefly Funhouse could just happen again. And then that leads to a whole bunch of other questions. Like, wait, Seth Rollins burned down the Firefly Funhouse. How does it still exist? Right. And that, yeah, no. In terms of um, in terms of universe building, there's still a ton of potential. But the problem is, is you continue to cut the legs out from under both guys. Right? Yeah. Uh, having Hell in a Cell end the way it did made both of them look weak. Yeah, like unless you're going to fix what you got wrong the first time, you fucking separate those two guys into new feuds. And act like it did not happen. Yeah, that's I think absolutely what they should have done because yeah, I'm, I, I just don't. It's but, re- it's really going to take a pay per view event where I see uh, f- fans who have a sensibility similar to mine say, "We know that you're cynical. We're all cynical, but th- you really have to see this because it is truly transcendent." And and it just occurred to me too. We saw this with AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Where we, mm-hmm. month after mm-hmm. month, did not get the match we wanted from those two talents. Right. Until they eventually moved on to new stuff. Yeah. And it kind of damaged both of them to a degree for a little while. Oh, yeah. I, I think Shinsuke is still kind of damaged goods. Absolutely. And, and and how strange is it, right? Like, he's had the title. He's had a couple of the mid-card titles. But, yeah. But as soon as he has the title... He's gone. Right. Like, like all of a sudden, that, that uh, giving him the title makes it not matter in a way that I wish when you gave Brock Lesnar a title, it did not matter to most of us in the way it does not matter to me. Just just strange business practice, right? Like, right. Hey, right, we're going to give you the title, and then we're going to cut the legs out from under you, thereby also damaging the title. Like, right. What, you, what the hell is going on over there? What's the end game, and, and why should I stick around? Do you see this suit I'm wearing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe the drop board wasn't as great of an idea. I know. As I, I just I, I realized about 15 minutes ago I've been hammering pretty hard, so I'm like, uh, maybe I'll back off a little bit. Might, might be time to take a little break, sir. Don't talk to me. I'm on my popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. But I think we're both genuinely excited going forward. We've got some. We've got so much. 
It's it's not like when all you had was WWE and it was felt like man I have so much wrestling. Now it's like I have so much wrestling to pick from. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a supermarket of wrestling. I can like well you know maybe I don't like the cucumbers the NX or maybe I don't like the Monday Night Raw pizza. But you know what I really like the uh, Wednesday Night AEW tacos. Ah yes. Uh... I think it would be the AEW Dark Tuesday tacos. But. Yeah, oh, that's that's fair. The, the AEW Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, of course. The double cheeseburger of uh, um, the NWA on Tuesdays has got to be their double cheese, double onions, extra mayo. <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm genuinely interested in seeing because I'm, I'm I'm guessing that it's a totally different sort of presentation that seems to be. What I watched the a little bit is. of it. Uh, the the first week of it, I enjoyed. A Jim Cornette a lot more on commentary than I do as a podcast or mm-hmm. just as Jim Cornette himself. I like him just being on commentary is kind of fun. And I'm sure it's going to be fun going forward to see at what point some of the, uh, what, what does he call it? The dirt uh, mud show bullshit <laughs> might happen to squeak its way into the NWA show. Right. Like, do you let Jim Cornette be Jim Cornette on that bullshit or... Does he tow the company line? I mean, I would assume that you let him be Jim Cornette because that's part of the fun, right? That's in in 2019. You have to you have to be creative in in trying to blur the lines of kayfabe right. and reality. And so I would think that yeah, at some point someone will come in there and do a bunch of topes, and then he's going to get to throw a fit. Yeah, and it, it'll make perfect sense. Uh, whereas I agree with you, listening. To, to Jim Cornette, just shit on everything all the time. <laughs> right, it, it's exhausting. Very exhausting. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. And but, that's go just, while while we're on the subject of you know all the wrestling podcasts featuring people that are you know on the inside. How interesting are the next couple of weeks of eighty three weeks going to be? Because out of everybody that might say something once they are gone from the WWE, I feel like Eric Bischoff, uh, even if he doesn't he have... He certainly an, has nothing to lose, right? Even if he have, yeah, if he does, even if he doesn't have an axe to grind, he really doesn't have much to lose by giving us a little insight into mm-hmm. what his three months, you know, interesting, on yeah. the inside look like. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, no, I think you uh, you make an excellent point. And, uh, Bischoff, because I wasn't really watching during the Monday Night Wars, he's just sort of a non-entity to me. Sure. Seems like a guy who just sort of kissed up to the... To the, the big stars a little too much for my taste. It's funny too because he's in the same boat that Paul Heyman is in. Is that he he works as a talent, but he also can work as a backstage kind of person mm-hmm. as well. But I think whereas Paul ex- is great at both, I think Bischoff works a lot better as a talent. Really interesting. Yeah, I don't know that his his and this is coming from a person that didn't really live through the Monday Night Wars. I tuned in near the end of it. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm just not a huge fan of his ideas mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to working backstage. But, I, you know, he plays a great asshole character. Mm. He talks very well. He's got a great look. He's got a face you want to see get punched. <laughs> so, we'll see, man. All right, man. So, whew. I think... Um, you bait the hook, you throw it out, and then you reel him in I think that's pretty much this week in wrestling, man. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to try to get the guest in next week. Yes. See if we we had to reschedule. I wanted to get my my drop board operational (laughs) for sure. (laughs) This battle station is quite operational. (laughs) And uh, 
Yeah, and if not, then we'll just add a bunch more drops, and eventually we won't have to say anything. No, I'll we'll just be punching buttons. We'll be fighting over this mouse to see who gets to punch what buttons. Well, where can people find you, sir? I like turtles. That's where they can find me. No, you can find me on uh, the Nerd Radio Podcast on WRF.com or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, last week we talked about Joker. This week we had a guest, uh, Mark Cooper. He's a uh, nerdcore rap artist. Ooh. And uh, he, he's going to be he's gonna be playing at Yumacon in a couple of weeks, which is the big anime convention here in Detroit. So we uh, talked to him and we talked about all the video game stuff that was going on with Fortnite and uh, Blizzard and the um, Riot Games, which does League of Legends. So you can find that going up Friday morning on uh, WRF.com where you get that stuff. And you can find myself on the social media machines. at uh, I'm on Twitter at C-H-Z-U-C-K for our, uh, for our Canadian listeners, C-H-Z-U-C-K ah. being B-E-A-N. How about you, Shawnee? All right. Find me at Shawnee.Constant on Instagram and uh, find us at the uh, the One Fall Show Facebook group. Absolutely. And, of course, find us both on the uh, Talk Horror to Me uh, Facebook group and that podcast as well. We yes, just released our horror movies. There will be um, there will be no drops as near as I can tell. Right. Uh, at least not in the immediate future. Not yet. <laughs> and um, But we just covered uh, Silver Bullet. Yes. Stephen King movie, werewolf movie. New episode coming out next week on, uh, on, a, on a movie that we... Uh, was bagged on before you joined right. the crew. So that should be a fun one. And uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Yeah. Have fun. Be safe. Don't bother me when I'm on my popcorn break. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, there's like eight dead seconds in this long pyro. Oh, okay. We got like 19 seconds.